Hey everyone, it's Jim Cohn. If you're an academic like me, then your holiday is rapidly coming to an end, or has already ended. Feel a little more settled, but it's true, I'd prefer several more weeks of that to the whole going back to work thing. Anyway folks, episode 9 of Circle of Willis is almost done. I'll be talking with my dear friend Hal Movius, who'll take the podcast in a bit of a different direction, to talk about how science informs his work as a negotiation and leadership consultant. Here is a quick preview. So this was the mystery. The mystery was, how could it be that in some ways people are so overconfident, are needlessly overconfident in their judgments, in their reasoning, in their perceptions, but emotionally and behaviorally underconfident. They, they're they frightened, like, you know, the what I call the, the crucible of conflict, these three things that interact under pressure. You know, there's whatever the issue is at hand, like the barking dog or am I going to get a raise. There's the social capital that's at risk, like if we disagree, what is that going to do to our relationship? Or what happens if I don't get what I want? Maybe I'm just, maybe that's the beginning of the end for our relationship. Or maybe you're going to say bad things about me and my reputation will suffer. Right. And then there's the extent to which people want to avoid emotion or certain kinds of emotions. That's that's why I wrote this book. So I wrote this book okay, called so Resolve. Okay, yeah, so this is the new book. This yeah. is the new book. Resolve. And there's a subtitle, right? What's Negotiating this? Life's Conflicts with Greater Confidence. Yeah. I really love this book. Oh, I mean, thanks. I really do. I mean, I loved researching it because I ended up having to answer all these questions like, why does conflict freak people out so much? Why are people so characteristically avoidant? Yeah. Even people who are confident in other ways, like CEOs. You know, the number one... That when you ask CEOs of companies, what's the problem for which you most desperately need coaching? By far, the answer is managing conflict. Oh, God. I can't do it, man. I can't do it. I'm going to read it again. <laughs> well, you're not alone. Because I can't that, do it. It's so painful. That's it's, the it's point. dreadful. But and, so, and because you, you know, partly it's you're, you're coached. And you, just by observation, you're coached by how to sort of, you know, it's the never let them see you sweat kind of thing, right? You know, it's like, you know, you got to look confident, <laughs> but nobody's really talking about you got to be confident. And everybody sort of knows, at least implicitly, that being confident sets you up for a disaster, right? You know, you're going to go in there and not know what you're talking about. So you got to prepare like crazy. And, and then, but by God, you've got to not look like you're you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Else you're going to die. Well, I think a central insight that I came to in researching this is that confidence is not a unitary thing. It's not like a Goldilocks problem of you should have some, you should be in the 77th percentile for confidence. Right. right not too right. much, but yeah. it's not that. It's three different things that to be geeky for a minute, I went all the way back to the 80s research that Steve Breckler and others did on, you know, the three components of attitudes, affective, behavioral, and cognitive. Um, and I thought about confidence as a self-relevant attitude. And when you think about it that way, you know, there's an affective component, which is poise. Can I keep cool? Can I... So there is that sort of, that don't let them see you sweat kind of component to it. It may not be don't let them see you sweat. It's if I'm sweating, do I know how to manage that so ah, that I can keep talking to somebody? That's a big difference. Yeah. yeah. So it's not about suppressing your emotion. Um, it's about knowing, 
you know, it's like the, I'm trying to think of a metaphor. It's like, you can't control the wind, but you can control the sailboat, right? You can figure out right. how do, right. how does my, how does this boat drive or, or, you know, glide and how do I work the sail in a way that over time I've learned that if I go this way or do these things, it helps. So there's poise, there's awareness, which is the way that you stay out of these narrow heuristic leaps you know, you force yourself to engage in systematic thinking, system two thinking by using checklists and models and other things that remind you, gee, I should think about, I should spend a little time thinking about how the other side sees this problem, or I should yeah. spend time thinking about what they think will happen if we don't reach agreement. And it, it sounds so simple, but just in vivo, so many times I've seen really experienced, smart people in their anxiety and in all the data and numbers and analysis, forget to do these things. And then there's a third component, which is mastery, which is like know-how, it's procedural knowledge. People think for weeks about what they're gonna say when they go in to negotiate a raise from their boss or to ask for an extra week of vacation or to work from home or whatever it is or to get more departmental funds or more another graduate yeah. student. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, and they think about it and think about it and think about it and maybe they write down lists or other things and they assemble data and benchmark. But almost nobody practices. And the thing is, it's I have executives do this all the time, but you can think about what you're going to say and then when you actually go to say it, it comes out in a completely different way. I crumble like a flimsy piece of t tissue paper. <laughs> well, that can it. happen too. Yeah. But I mean, even for people who don't crumble, what happens is they haven't thought about the first three sentences they want to say. Like, how do I want to frame this conversation? What's the purpose? How do I want to open? And opening is really important. I mean, if you wander into a conversation, there's a lot, many more risks than if you sort of say, thanks for meeting with me. The reason I wanted to talk to you is... And then you framed it, you know, I, I want to talk to you because I need a way to get more funds and I know that you have a budget problem to solve. So I wanted to see if we could think of some options. Right. So that framing is really important and creating a space to brainstorm is really important and listening to what the other person cares about or is constrained by is really important. But we don't do those things. We go in with a bunch of arguments to rehearse, a bunch of complaints to make if they push back, a bunch of you know fingers to point about other people who got something. <laughs> it's We just do it wrong. All right, that's it. There is, there's a lot more where that came from. Uh, Hal's story is going to be particularly interesting, I think, to scientists who are a little, a little earlier in their career. He wants you to know that there are other options besides the tenure track and that they can be very rewarding as well. Thanks also to Hal for composing and performing this little tune we got here. It's playing in the background. He is a man of many talents. Okay, so uh, look for episode nine and more Hal Movius coming soon.